Oh, what a great division. Let's listen to the Apostle Luke in chapter 12, verses 49 through 56. I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, it's going to rain. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Shall we pray? Gracious Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the freedom and the opportunity to come and hear your word. Speak through me. These are not my words, but your words, Lord. Touch the hearts of each and every person here in a way that is relevant to them. In your name, amen. Scripture has a funny way of being relevant, doesn't it? Both passages that were read today Sound like it could fit in today's world, doesn't it? <sighs> Things just don't change. You know, we talk about the heart being the central core of humanity. God gave us a heart to feel and a heart to hear and a heart to empathize and a heart to sympathize. And oddly enough, those two things are very different. Sympathy and empathy are two different things. Unfortunately, those hearts can become cold and hardened. This is something that poets and musicians have always claimed from children to adults. We all know about how the heart can harden. You know, even Hank Williams said why can't I free your doubtful mind and melt your cold, cold heart? This is our central core. Even with neuroscience mapping, we now know that emotions and how they occur in the brain and how you're wired. It's interesting because, you know, Freud's theory is now actually being documented simply by the science of mapping emotions. You know, think about the world today and tell me that you don't become anesthetized to what's going on. Can you? 
When do we stop feeling? As children and creation of God, we should always feel. But after a while, you become numb to it. Think about some of the things that we say. You know, there are power, there's power in the words that we say. As we say it, it becomes reality, whether you realize it or not. And the way some people shield themselves to what's going on in the world around them when we should care rather than build a wall against it. We say things, well, I don't care. Doesn't matter. That doesn't bother me. And the all-present, whatever. How dismissive is that? Now, I'm not saying that you should let things that happen in the present-day world get you down either. You know, we do need to numb the pain a little bit. But the reason why I feel that things are getting the way they are is because we are becoming immune. We quit feeling. Our hearts become hardened. Feelings make us vulnerable. Those that have been in relationships or in relationships, you have to be somewhat vulnerable to feel for that person. And to feel for that person makes you vulnerable. How easy is it to use something in our environment to shield ourselves from something that we should at least feel caring about? Next time you go under an over underpass, maybe notice the people that are sleeping there. How often do we do that? This is another person in the world, one of God's creations that for one reason or another, which really does not matter, is in a situation. But when people stop caring about the human condition and people that are less fortunate or are down on their luck or however you want to say it, even if it's their fault, we quit seeing these people because it makes us vulnerable. I'm still the kind of person that feels pain in my spirit when I see a deer on the side of the road that's been hit. A possum in the road. These things do affect me. I'm, I'm a deeply caring person. But it doesn't mean that my heart hasn't become hardened in things. When I was preparing for this sermon, certain things just hit you that didn't hit you before or that you'd forgotten all about. My caring has gone missing, or at least absent sometimes. Why? Am I afraid to be vulnerable? Maybe. Maybe I don't like the feeling that I have when I care about something. I don't know. All I know is that God made us this way. It is when care goes missing is when we start dropping the spiritual ball. I don't want to drum up bad memories, but we have had a very bad August. And it's what? The 18th? 
And I have to ask myself, why would someone do what they do? And why would some people not do anything about it? This is something that has become more and more prevalent because, again, it is weakness to feel vulnerable. But even our Savior was very vulnerable. He cared about people he was raised not to care about. You have to remember that everybody is a whosoever. And if God said whosoever can come, then who are we to say no? If they believe a little bit different from us, if they dress a little bit different from us, What gives us the right not to feel, at least for the person? You know, I was brought up in a Baptist church where it's like, we can love the sinner, but not the sin. But there's some truth in that. We don't have to like what they do, but we do have to care for them as another person in this world that God put here. When we lose sight of that, we lose sight of our caring. T.S. Eliot, in a poem, The Hollow Man, said, Vulnerable feelings often go missing, not with a bang, but a whisper. It doesn't happen all at once. This is something that happens over time. We become used to things, and we quit caring peace by peace. Just like the Plato, it doesn't instantly become hard. It has to be left exposed for a very long time without any care. What's the care? You put it back in the container, put the lid back on. Or if you did make a mistake and leave it out, add a little water, put the lid back on. The good thing is, is like Plato, our hearts can be restored, but you have to want a restored heart. Maybe what's going on in our world is simply because too many people's hearts have hardened. So how would you restore a hardened heart? Uh, that was not rhetorical. Somebody have an idea? <laughs> yeah, I know you're used to it. Rhetorical questions from the pulpit. But I'm not a rhetorical person. How do you restore a hardened heart? Yeah. No, not how you make one. I know some people are good at that. How would you restore a hardened heart? Calvin? Centering prayer. Get back to the core of things, right? That's one good one. But we're missing the whole thing. You have to care. When you feel like life has gotten to the point where it is what it is, oh well, whatever. Think about what those phrases do to your heart just by uttering them. <sighs> Being dismissive to someone. You know, when kids or even adults lose their caring, it's the warmth and caring of others is the best way to soften a heart. Have you ever thought about the fact that what you do around someone that is just that kind of a person, maybe affecting them one way or the other. 
many, many years ago, when I first moved to Austin, I lived in South Austin off of, uh, um, oh, in Barton Hills. There was a 7-Eleven on the corner. And the older lady that was in there, every morning I would stop by and get a soda and head to work downtown at the Capitol. And she just didn't smile. You know, I, come on, you work at 7-Eleven, deal with some pretty awful people. Probably a good reason why she didn't smile. Now, one of the things, you know, those of you that have known me for a while, I'm just not the kind of person that usually has a sour face on, right? You know, I'm, and I'm not gonna let you have one either. Poor clerk, if they're not smiling when I'm checking out, they will be when I leave. But here's the point. Whatever was in her life that made her have a sour face, I, wanted, I was determined I was not going to contribute to that. I greeted her every morning, asked her to have a nice day, and after about a month or two, I'd walk through that door, just a little bit of a smile would come on. And after a while, I noticed that she at least softened around me Random act of kindness can help soften someone's heart. Think about that in everything that you do and your caring comes back and you'd be surprised how quickly the hardened portions of your heart will soften too. You know, there are three ways to help someone and melt the defensive emotional status. First of all, you have to lead them into vulnerable territory. That's hard to do. A lot of kicking and screaming. I can tell you that right now. But how do you lead someone into a vulnerable territory? Again, not a rhetorical question. Exactly. Think about building a relationship with them. Something that we do in the Assemblies of God is we have what we call the 30, 60, 90 program. 30, first 30 days, you pick someone at work or whatever, and all you do is pray for them. Kind of like preparing the soil for seeds. You pray for them. Maybe not much interaction, but you pray for them. The next 30 days, which means you in the 60s, is you start to interact with them whatever level that they're permitting. And then the last 30 days, you actually become very involved with them. And in some, most cases, you invite them to church or some function that you do regularly, bowling, whatever it is. It does not have to be church. But you develop a relationship with them where they get to know you, you get to know them, and those defenses, those walls come down and feel safe with you, you feel safe with them to some extent, hopefully, and now you've developed some sort of relationship. Even with this lady at 7-Eleven, her name was Sharon. I don't know her last name. I don't even know if she's even still alive, but I still think about her to this day because in doing that, I've made my heart more open and obviously she felt a little bit of vulnerability to start opening up and we interacted more than just a transaction. So leading people into vulnerable territory is how you get that to soften up. 
Psychology does not own suffering. We do. It's us. We are the ones that can determine whether someone is suffering or not because of us, and vice versa. We have to realize that in some way, sadness does save the day. Because again, to be vulnerable, you have to have either empathy or sympathy. Does anyone know the difference of the two? Okay, hard one. Pardon? Yeah, or you feel, literally feel their pain as they're going through it. Um, and then sympathy is understanding their pain, but you don't experience it. And in certain situations, one is better than the other. I've done hospice ministry, and that's one place you cannot have empathy because it can bring you down. However, some of you may or may not know, I, I visit people in jail and, and prisons, not for religious purposes at all, just they seem to just, one comes after the other. And one of the things that I have learned at the initial meeting with these young people, mostly young people, is that they feel like, I don't feel anything. I don't care anymore. No one cares about me, so why should I care about me? But the one thing that you can do with someone who is in a bad situation is to help them realize that as long as they view it as a bad situation, it will rob them of peace, it will rob them of their joy. And in turn, it robs our world of peace and joy. Is it starting to sound familiar? We live in a world without peace, without joy. Why? I think our hearts are hardened to some extent. The next step to softening that heart would be shield with a safe attachment. Lean on me when you're not strong. We all know the song. There's a lot of truth in that. You don't have to be some great and wonderful person or preach from a pulpit or anything, but if you can be a stable standard for someone who is floundering in this world, it does wonders to soften their heart. Because nowadays, what do we generally see when there's violence in the world? We see people that have not had a stable environment of any kind, maybe not experienced any kind of love or meaningful love or even a self-worth. These are things that are like dry air. They suck the moisture out of your heart and it becomes hard. Shield them with a safe environment. If anything, be the person that they feel like they can be themselves around you and their heart begins to soften. They open up. Think about children. You know, as they grow older, they, 
develop attachments and they feel safe, so they tend to open up to parents and adults and other friends that they feel safe around. Anyone that they don't feel safe around, they clam up, they build a hedge, they build a wall, they become protected, they glaze over, they become dry Plato. Be the container, be the water that infuses their heart back with love and caring and at least a place to feel safe. And, you know, we have a family here that I know you've seen the children that they are fostering become wonderful, delightful children when they weren't to begin with because they feel safe in their environment. They are stable. And it's a miracle. And it may even be hard sometimes, and I'm sure they would tell you, it's hard. It's hard. But you have to at least be the water, be the life, be the container that infuses them with the water of life and softens that heart. And last, to make that, that heart soft, it's help protect from emotional wounding and facing separation. There's a lot of hurt in the world. We see it every day. And that does wound to some extent. But you being that safe environment, that pillar, whether you feel like it or not, if as long as the other person feels like you are, then you are helping softening that heart. How easy is it to get a hardened heart because of social media? And I know I'm not popular with people because everybody does Facebook and everything, but when you think about what texting and only, I'm not saying it's bad, but texting only, social media and everything, look at what it has done to our country and humanity in just the last two years. You tweeted this, well, I'm going to tweet that. And, da, 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 da. and it's all instant. And we don't think about what we're doing, not only to our own heart, but to other people's. Don't be that part that helps divide people from one another. Daughter against mother, mother against daughter. Father against son, son against father. Think about it. It is so easy to lash out without any caring, without any empathy, without any sympathy on social media, without realizing or even seeing what we're doing to our fellow human beings, our brothers, our sisters, because we all are brothers and sisters, regardless if you're Christian, Muslim, Hindu, whatever, we are still God's creation. We are intricately related to one another, regardless of our outward appearance but yet we can so very quickly without any kind of caring go, you're unfriended. <laughs> Maybe thinking a few seconds before you unfriend someone might get you to realize that rather than unfriending them, Maybe stepping back and trying to find a common ground or at least something that you can start over from. Mend relationships. Be the Roy Rogers. I never met anyone I didn't like. Oh, I think you'd have a hard time with that one today. Think about it. Stepping in 
and advocating for someone else, whether you're involved or not. Evil prospers when good people do nothing. And oddly enough, that leads to a hardened heart. And be careful because if you're doing or not doing something that helps harden someone else's heart, it also starts to harden yours. So I challenge you in the weeks to come, try to understand why people react to one another the way they are. Sometimes just one act of kindness can start an avalanche of caring, but it can also go the other way around. One act of ignorance can also lead to an avalanche of uncaring. So even though we cannot will emotional distresses to rise or to fall, this is, it's not for us to say but however, remember, intimacy is not just being very, very close to one person. We are somewhat intimate with all of God's creation, including non-human. Don't let your heart be hardened about God's other creations too. Think about what you do on a daily basis or don't do on a daily basis that affects God's creation around you dominion over the earth or the care thereof. Yeah, this is part two of that other sermon. Because it all comes back to that. When you stop being somewhat affected by what's going on around you, check and make sure your Play-Doh heart hasn't turned hard. Shall we pray? Gracious Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for this time that we're able to come and hopefully hear what you wanted us to hear touched our hearts. Hopefully my words were used by you so that other people would understand that we are very, very responsible for one another, that regardless of what anyone might say, we are our brothers and sisters keepers, that what we do is intricately important to the condition of the heart. In your name, amen.